On September 2nd, 1994, in Huntsville, Arkansas, a woman is found beaten and strangled to death. The manner in which she lived her life left plenty of suspects. However, her murder remains unsolved to this day. You're listening to the Mysterious Blues Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Billie Jean Phillips. Deep, dark, dank, moist, and finally cool basement somewhere in Georgia. Tonight we come to you wearing hoodies (laughs) and shorts. Sexiness. <laughs> it is that perfect, perfect time of year where you can pull that off. Yes, it is great. I do love this weather. Hoodie the, and cargo shorts. You can't beat it. Sure can't. Man, you hear in the background, one, the only, the man who puts the cha-ching in pinball wizard. <laughs> the coach. You got to start planning those out, man. <laughs> yeah. I just want to see reaction, buddy. <laughs> so how we been this week? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Pretty good, I'd say. Yeah. Coming up on the Booger Wayne. Yeah. Had the the pleasure of attending the Special Olympics this week. That was really awesome. So my kids did great. Sweet. Several man. medals taken home. Can't beat it. No. So nothing to complain about here. I know. That's what I'm trying to do. That's my my new goal this during the fall leading up to the holidays is try to find the positive, even though I want to strangle people I work with. But tonight's beer is the Ozark Lager from Ozark Beer Company. And they are out of Arkansas in Rogers, Arkansas. It's pretty darn good, man. It is pretty good. It is a American-style lager. It is crisp, clean, and refreshing, and they, coming straight from the can, suggest <laughs> pairing it with spring storms, summer heat, crisp fall mornings, and cold winter nights. They covered all the, the seasons, so it's an all-around good beer. Cold winter nights for a lager? I don't I don't agree with that. I mean, it's tasty, but you got to have something with a little more substance. Well, I agree. Nice American lager. That's more of a lawnmower beer, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it is. Well, with that, I'm just chomping at the bit for this is our second listener requested case. Though that is true, this is the first listener requested case from somebody that ain't related, related to, to either me. one of us. Yeah. <laughs> That's this true. is an actual factual stranger, man. It was awesome. Yeah. He, so uh, we fast tracked this. He uh, he suggested it about a week ago, week and a half ago, but we had other plans. But as soon as we had an opening and available to research, we fast tracked this case. And it's a doozy, man. This woman, whew. it's crazy. I researched it on Reddit, and um, the the here's the best part of if you can find a best part in an unsolved true crime it is the opening line to the article that he referenced for us <laughs> you know you know 
you're in for an adventure when you see some uh, world-class journalism like this. And this is Mr. Michael Whitley from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And he says, and I quote, Billie Jean Phillips rode life like a sexual jet ski. Death seemed to trail in her wake. That is an amazing piece of journalism right there. It is. It is is amazing. I tip my hat to him. But the weird thing about this case is, it's it, it's a good and a bad thing. It's good the fact that we're probably the first, we're the first people covering it in a podcast that I can tell. I could not find a single podcast about this. I could not find a single YouTube video about this. I could not find a single news report about this. All you can find is this article and a few comments on Reddit. And then one other article that happens a few years in the future from the the event. So two newspaper articles, about 10 comments on Reddit, and that's all the information on this you can find. And and the the information you find, with that said, you would think this would be one of those where we're just barely have enough information to do an episode, but that is not the case. Uh, Mr. Whitley's articles at the Gazette are... Amazing to be well, honest yeah, with you. I, it's a lot of information. Like I always, well, you know, I used to bring uh, my laptop down here with me, but I would tend to, you know, straggle off to other tabs and get distracted by certain things. So I stopped bringing my laptop down. So I started printing off all my information and all my research. And I actually printed off his article, and on computer paper, it is 25 pages of text. And the funny thing is, this came from, like we said, a listener, and I will keep his name private unless he reaches back out and says we can say something, and then we'll give him the props that he deserves. But he's actually from Texas, and uh, this article, he tagged us in a direct message and referenced this article. And what's funny is, the day before, there is another article just as long that goes through the history of this case more along the lines of the players in it. Really? Yeah, and so and that's what I was hoping. I'm, I was I glad you said that because I really I focused my research on that article and I know you focused yours on this one. Yeah. And so we'll play off of each other. Well, that's kind of crazy because I didn't I didn't find that article. I I found the one where the the man's going to be acquitted later on. Right. But I didn't. But this is amazing. I mean, this I can't say enough about uh, the journalist Michael Whitley about what he's done to uh, really research this. And and you referenced Reddit. Some comments on Reddit. One of the comments on Reddit, and I I don't have the username in front of me, but the a couple of them tagged under this initial comment but it was and and I I wholeheartedly believe this after reading it it is the fact that if this was a Netflix series I would binge watch that shit and and not get out of my pajamas like it would be one of those where you called I hadn't heard from you in a couple of days dude I have been watching you will not believe what I've been watching well you know Netflix tends to greenlight everything so maybe we should just call and pitch it to them this is an amazing small town I think this is a snapshot of small town southern politics in I don't know just any small town that you could think of. Uh this is Madison County, Arkansas, 
also known as Booger County, Arkansas. That's all you, that's all you need to... Yeah, that's all you really need to know about that. Now, I do suggest that... Um, you take some notes on this because we're going to start throwing out a lot of names. Oh, yes. And if you don't keep up with it, it's going to get real confusing. Because yeah, I had to, I was scrolling back and forth. Is it who this is? I had to make a chart myself. It's kind of like the Jennings 8 case. I mean, it's going to be a lot of names. There's a lot, a lot of, of players. A lot of ins and outs, a lot of what have yous and all that kind of stuff. So strap yourself in because it's, but it's an interesting case. I it mean, is. I mean, this is an amazing case. And, and the, the listener that suggested this, hats off to you. I mean, this is one that I, you know, kind of was like, oh, it's a user. It's probably not going to be, but I'm telling you, this is a doozy. Yeah. All right, so we'll start off with the, I guess, the day that Billie Jean Phillips is found. Now, they're going to say that she is found beaten and strangled to death, but... Beaten may be a slight understatement. A very slight understatement. (laughs) I mean, this woman was... Brutally. Brutally beaten. Yes. Brutally beaten. And anybody that has followed true crime or watched anything on TV or anything like that, the amount of rage that is put forth on this young lady, it comes from someone that had a deep hatred... Or felt like they were wronged by her. Yeah, well, I mean, and the thing is, that doesn't eliminate many suspects. There's going to be plenty of suspects. This woman does a lot of people wrong. A lot of people dirty. And she's got lots of enemies. And she, like the opening statement to the article said, didn't care who she pissed off, who she talked to, she was going to live her life the way she wanted to. On the morning of Saturday, September 3rd, 1994, at 11.58 a.m., Madison County, Arkansas Sheriff's Office received a call about an unattended death. And I had to look up what unattended death meant, and basically it is a dead body found alone in a residence. Sheriff Ralph Baker radios the office, and he is actually on a squirrel hunting trip when he gets the call out. I know that's... That's the most Arkansas thing I can think of. I know. I giggled my (laughs) ass off when I saw that. He radios his office at 12.27 p.m. and asks for the Arkansas State Police criminal investigator Doug Fogley's number. Sheriff Baker contacts Mr. Fogley, and according to people around Baker and Fogley, the following has kind of been pieced together, and this is kind of a makeshift transcript and basically mr baker states billy phillips is dead mr fogley replies so (laughs) i know baker says billy phillips god damn it rusty kane's been fucking her rusty could be a goddamn suspect how do you keep the deputy prosecuting attorney out of a fucking crime scene now this would be an extremely telling conversation that would set things in motion through this entire case between the jet ski comment between this little snippet of a conversation between these two this case is amazing yeah um the prosecuting attorney terry jones 
He is stated in the article, he's quoted as saying, she lived a lifestyle that tended to antagonize the spouses of people that she went out with, girlfriends and wives. He said she would call them up on the phone and let them know what she was doing just to anger them. Over the years, she developed a long line of people that probably weren't too happy about her, her <coughs> weren't too happy about having her around. You have somebody that's got a lot of potential enemies, and then you get a family that's perpetually involved in drugs, which opens up hundreds of more possibilities. So, she's very promiscuous, and she's very boisterous about it. So she's got a, she's gonna have a lot of enemies. She really is, and. Uh, Deputy Danny Livermore with the Sheriff's Office in Madison County is the first officer at the crime scene. And by the time he gets there, Rusty Kane, the deputy prosecuting attorney, Billy's brother and Billy's sister have been at her house for at least a minimum of 10 minutes. Yeah, that's not good. No. Deputy Livermore would find the body of Billy lying against the wall in her bedroom. The room was splattered in blood with her son's t-ball bat lying on the bed. And it's not just lying on the the bed. It had been used to beat Billy with. It fractured her skull, and they used such force that the bat actually splintered. Yeah, that's somebody very, very pissed off at this point. Yes. Uh, Deputy Livermore would state to the Gazette that meth was found in her bloodstream, and that's going to be an underlying current in this case as well. Uh, There are several articles that we are referencing starting on October 19th of 1997, going all the way to actually September 18th of 2014. So... uh, This is a doozy, people. I know I've said that two or three times, but... While the sheriff's office conducted its investigation, Sheriff Baker and Mr. Fogley would allow Rusty Kane to enter and exit the residence for approximately four hours. And this gets into our first what the fuck. Actually, this could be our second what the fuck. Our first what the fuck would be... Why is he there ten minutes before the police get there? That's a great question. The second one that I'm referencing Who right let now, him know? Right. The second one that I am referencing is the fact that they let him walk in and out of the residence, the crime scene, for four fucking hours. Uh, other investigators, other officers at the crime scene noticed what they said they thought was bloodstains on Mr. Kane's shoes. They also saw a vacuum cleaner left in the middle of Billy's bedroom with the vacuum cleaner bag missing, some sort of black case protruding from under one of Billy's dressers, and then the upstairs loft bed was unmade, and the officer stated that the curtain had been pulled up over the rod so as to have a clear line of sight from that window to the driveway. Hmm. Billy's family would go on record and state that no one to their recollection, even her son had ever used that bedroom. That was just a guest bedroom that she had put up there and basically was never used. The sheets, the bed was basically, looked like it had been slept in. But in most of these little small town cases, the sheets were never collected as evidence. Now, 
we will throw some shade on the sheriff's office and specifically Sheriff Baker, but I will say at the beginning, I don't think that this deputy uh, had any malicious intent. I think that like most small towns, when they come across a murder like this, I want to say this is one of two unsolved murders in the in the county since Sheriff Baker's been sheriff, and he was elected, first elected in 73. Well, I mean, <clears throat> the assistant prosecuting attorney is involved with this woman. So it's automatically going to be thinking the good old boy system. You're going to try to take care of the people that you're that you work with, that you're involved with every day. That's just that's just how small towns work. It is. What's funny though, <clears throat> or not funny, but what is m- more than a mere coincidence is a week after her body is found, Rusty's fired hmm. for interfering in the investigation. Well, he was there. Yeah. And I, I, they, he may have put, even though it is a good old boy system, which I still believe to be true, Rusty himself may have put himself in a such a bad position that the sheriff had to at least act on that. Right. Get it, firing your friend is much less severe than helping your friend get convicted of murder, you know, if he, in fact, was involved. But we don't know that. Now, a year and a half after Billy's death, the case is assigned to two special prosecutors slash investigators, one of which is an ex-FBI agent turned private investigator, and the other one is a private investigator. Um, this is, they investigate this case, and then in 2009, Sheriff Baker takes the case back over. Hmm. Now, those two investigators were investigating this on their own dime. They, this was two non-paid positions. So they were doing this out of the kindness of their heart, basically, or the in their, their spare time. <clears throat> Again, I look at that as another what the fuck, because why would you assign two people, an ex-FBI agent turned private investigator and another private investigator, and then get pissed off or feel like that they're not doing what they're supposed to and take the case back over under the guise of the sheriff's office. Well, when you're not paying somebody, you get what you get. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? You do. And yeah. I mean, you... now... That's a low... I mean, I'm sure that they truly wanted to solve the case and they did some due diligence, but when you're not getting paid, man, that's going to be low pri- priority. That's just the way it's going to be. But... Now, Sheriff Baker, like I had stated earlier, has been sheriff in Madison County or Booger County since (laughs) 1973. When asked by the Gazette and any other media outlets, he will not comment on the case, but he throws blame and shade to the two independent investigators. He says that they kept him in the dark about the details of the case, and after 16 months of investigating, he forces those two to resign. Now, the former FBI agent, his last name is Knox. I could not find in my research his first name. Uh, But he says that the prosecuting attorney, Terry Jones, 
told him not to investigate allegations of corruption against a local local law enforcement official and not to take any of his findings or evidence to the FBI. Wow. Yeah. Knox stated that Sheriff Baker and the state police investigator Fogley took back over the investigation. Knox would redact or delete references to his confidential sources who he said were afraid for their safety and he would turn his notes over to the prosecuting attorney, Mr. Jones, on September 29th. And this is another weird what-the-fuck moment. Jones, once he gets the redacted notes, takes them directly to the FBI, even though this man said that he had been told not to take any of his evidence to the FBI. Hmm. So a week after well, Knox... Could it, could it be incomplete evidence, or could it be... I don't... I, you know, is he trying to lead the investigation a certain way? I feel like By that, not turning in everything? When I first read that, I I felt like he had told him not to turn anything over to the FBI. Then he fires them, gets the notes, and then he runs to the FBI. Here's what I've done. Here's what my local... Ah, you see what I'm saying? So he may have wanted to just take credit for right. it rather than cover it up. Right. Okay, that makes sense. That's the way I read it. Now, it it, it may be a nefarious plot, but I, I did not take it that way. Um, Knox it, would go on Either reference. way, it's pretty shitty. It is <laughs> shitty. And it is... it it It's a question mark. Uh, a week after he turns his notes in, Knox would take his unredacted notes to the special agent in charge of operations in Arkansas for the entire state, Mr. I.C. Smith, and he would turn those notes over to them. Now, I know that's a lot of names and that's a lot of information to take in at one time. Going back to the assistant prosecuting attorney, which is Rusty Kane, which is Rusty Kane, her lover. Her lover, his attorney, had pushed for over a year for the FBI to investigate the county's drug trafficking, and that ties, or those bridges, however you want to look at it, to her murder. Now, Knox, the former FBI agent, said that problems with the their investigation started when Sheriff Baker refused to allow them to chase down fresh leads involving drugs in the county. Yeah, this is this has got small town corruption written all over it. Yes. And at the at the center of this argument basically is Sheriff Baker saying that he's not bringing in a man or residents of the county for DNA testing who had been repeatedly identified as one of the main meth dealers in Booger County. I just love saying Booger. Booger County. With that said, the Gazette would interview over 130 people. Sheesh. Included in these, this 130 are several Northwest Arkansas lawmen, government officials, prison inmates, former and current Madison County or Booger County drug dealers, friends and family of Billy Phillips, 
and most of them would only talk if they were granted anonymity. Now, if you're wondering why so many lawmen are going to be interviewed, is because, uh, as stated in the article, former uh, Huntsville Police Chief Elmer Cook told the investigators that Billy Jean had planned to sleep with every police officer in Madison County. He was quoted as saying that she was bragging that she had a briefcase with embarrassing information about prominent Huntsville residents. So, we're going to get into her promiscuity a little later, but that right there is going to make a whole bunch of enemies. You're bragging that you have a briefcase full of embarrassing information. That's going to make a lot of people nervous. Yeah. You're bragging. Honey, you're not J. Edgar you're, Hoover. You're bragging that you're going to try to sleep with every cop in the county. And from the looks of it, she almost does. Yeah, she was quite the accomplished young lady. Um, well, let, yeah, let, well, you continue talking about, let's finish up the rest of the, the investigation, and then we're going to go back and let's talk about her. And we will show, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that this woman's going to have a lot of people who want her dead. Yes. A lot. Uh, Phillips, the Gazette would basically uncover that she paid off the drug debts of her brother, Robert McKnight. He bought, and this is kind of confusing, uh, a man named Steve Hathorne beat the dog shit out of her brother over a debt of drugs and building materials a year after Billy died. But her brother is on record telling investigators that the incident had happened only days after, I mean, before her death. Now, the two private investigators asked this Steve Hawthorne to undergo DNA testing. And this is the one where Baker refuses to bring him in and have him DNA tested. He was finally tested more than six weeks after her case and basically cleared. There was another suspect investigators found in her murder, and again, this is a lot more names, so please pay attention. And this is quoted from the Gazette article. It says, One former drug dealer early considered a suspect in the Phillips murder says he was involved in plans with Steve Hathorne, Dennis Cordes, Rory Allen Gregory, and Joe Benton head to build a meth lab in a cave neighboring Phillips' house. Cordes and a private investigator who helped him escape from the Washington County Jail were later convicted of bi- building the biggest meth lab in U.S. history. Gregory has been convicted of attempting to manufacture meth, possession of drug paraphernalia, and federal agents at the time of the article were seeking to interview him. Okay, so sidebar. Hats off to Mr. Cordez. If you are on record as building the the biggest meth lab in U.S. history, I mean, that's a feat in itself. The fact that it didn't didn't come from Georgia is even a bigger feat. 
Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt about that. I mean, that's something you can hang your hat on. I mean, I bet he walks through like swinging it like a pocket watch in jail. Yeah, boys, I had to be Smith lapping you in the in the continental U.S. Going back to Rusty Kane, he worked. This is a conflict of interest. He worked both as a private attorney and a public official in fatal automobile accidents involving Miss Phillips. And this is where their affair began in the early 80s. So Sheriff Baker, who shares the longest tenure as sheriff with Monroe County, Arkansas Sheriff Larry Morris, sometimes carries his personal vehicle to crime scenes and puts drugs seized in his personal vehicle. This is a problem because he has a daughter, and her name is Patricia. And her and her friend Sandra Harp would borrow Sheriff Baker's vehicle and find in the glove compartment a shit ton of marijuana in 1977. Now, I know that is a technical term, but how much exactly is a shit ton? A shit ton is exactly a metric ton plus one U.S. ton. (laughs) (laughs) No. That's a lot. It is a lot. No, seriously, uh, Sandra Harp's on record stating that she smoked two joints and she didn't know where they got the where this marijuana come from but she had never been that high in her life and her and sheriff baker's daughter patricia would have a wreck uh baker would sheriff baker would be the first one on the scene and he would remove the drugs from his truck and magically no criminal charges were ever filed despite Everyone and Patricia telling everyone that she was high as a kite and then she perjured herself in a civil trial later. I'm telling you, this would be a hell of a damn Netflix series. (laughs) This is a Dateline 7 parter. But anyway, all right. Sheriff Baker states that he maintains no inventory of drugs or other evidence seized by his office, and he keeps no log of drugs he destroys. Well, that right there is a what the fuck. Because aren't you, I mean, as a, a state sworn law officer, supposed to have some kind of record keeping of what you take in, what's I mean, destroyed? You would think so. If if not, then you could just walk any, any old thing out of the... Uh... The office you want. The the other thing is he doesn't, according to this article, most jurisdictions have to have a court order to destroy drugs. And he just does it willy-nilly. Sure. Destroy, quote, unquote. Quote, destroy. Yeah, Yeah. this Uh is is Uh extreme ties (laughs) to back to the Jennings 8 where, yeah, yeah, we're going to see 78 pounds of marijuana, but what y'all didn't see was we seized 100 pounds of it. We just put... 22 of it back on the street. Uh, he was interviewed in June of that year and said to them, and I quote, it don't happen here. And that's all he would say. I mean, if you've been sheriff in a county for since 73, I guess you think you're untouchable. Well, I mean, you may be. 20 years. Yeah. 
All right, so we're going to get into a little bit of Baker's back history. Okay, she is... Oh, Baker, I'm sorry. Yeah. Never mind. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> I was I was excited. I was like, hell yeah, we get to talk about the dirty stuff. Baker, <laughs> and this may be eye-opening to you, Baker and his wife, along with some of their other family members, have bought or traded for at least, at least 2,300 acres in Madison, Washington and Franklin counties. That's a lot of acres. They have paid out about four hundred and eighty-four thousand dollars, and Baker has taken only one mortgage for eight thousand dollars. Otherwise, he has paid cash for everything else. Good lord! So he has paid cash for a, so- a minimum of four hundred and seventy-six thousand dollars of real estate transactions. Okay. So that's th- pretty good since this, I've had that many beers. This is that's a man that can quote unquote destroy drugs as he sees fit, and he doesn't have to track those things. No, and yet somehow he's able to pay cash, pay cash for four hundred seventy-two thousand. I wonder what his salary is a year. You think it? I'm glad you said that, Coach, because guess what I have next. Well, I bet you. I bet you're gonna tell me. He earns only mm-hmm. a whopping $31,000 a year as the sheriff and tax collector for Madison County. Well, I mean, if you put back and you save and you, you, you know, eat beans the you, whole goddamn time you're alive, you, you, <laughs> you have a money market account that you eat somebody's ra- yeah. fast-tracking. You eat ramen. It's 75. <laughs> you eat ramen several times a week. I mean, Coach, yeah. you can't eat that many potatoes. Like, dude. <laughs> I mean, I'm not here to say something fishy's going on because I don't personally know the man, but but it smells like tuna from Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's a that's a stinky cologne right there. It is. When asked about this by the Gazette, Baker declines to talk about his personal land dealings. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> yeah, because anything you say is going to be held against you later. Yeah, I'd be like, nah, comment right there. Now, the newspaper would go on record stating that they had tried to contact Sheriff Baker, and he just wouldn't return their phone calls. <laughs> I don't know why. Hey, corrupt or not, I like this guy. He's, just, he's, got, the, he's got a set so big just, they clang when he walks. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to arrest me? Yeah. I run this town. Yeah. Since 73, I've run this That's motherfucker. That's awesome. I like this guy. Baker owns, on paper, at least 1,400 plus acres. Dang, man. that's What do you even need that much land for? I don't know. He also owns a Chevrolet Corvette, a Honda Acura, and two Harley-Davidson motorcycles. Five trucks and 19 head of cattle. Well, I mean, a Honda Acura... But his, <laughs> but here's the, here's the, the coup d'etat with the uh, Corvette. The personalized license license plate says booger one <laughs> you can't make this up that is amazing you cannot make this up i i don't care i like this guy i'd, I'd have a beer with this guy for sure we need to see is he still alive we can call him up he's still sheriff i don't know i did not go that far because <laughs> right now i'm so impressed by his Brass cojones that I, I just don't know if I can bring myself to bring him off the pedestal. I, I, just, put him I on. keep picturing the sheriff from uh, uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. I mean, because, well, that was an Arkansas, right? Pusser. 
Some Texarkana? Yeah. Like, Give me a Diablo sandwich and make it snappy. I'm on the trail of a goddamn <laughs> criminal. <laughs> we could just go on for like 10 minutes with lines from that movie. I That's love that movie, movie yeah. Well, you look, you sounded taller on the radio. <laughs> Junior, when I get home, I'm going to punch your mama right in the mouth. Because there's no way you came from these lawns. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Uh, Getting back to Mr. Sheriff Baker, a former Madison County oil man, Mr. F.M. Miner, said that he negotiated. I stopped writing these names down, by the way. I know, because there's like 400 of them. I got the the main ones we need to know, and I'll repeat those as they come up. But these, I mean, this is too many names. He states that he had negotiated to pay $10,000 to the Madison County Drug Eradication Fund <laughs> to ensure... I know, that's even funnier. Baker's like, yeah, I'll head that up. <laughs> yeah, to ensure that his son would not be sent to jail as a habitual violator of drug sales. Mm-hmm. His son had at least four prior convictions. Oh, and the only thing he got after his daddy donated $10,000 was... Four years unsupervised probation. I'm moving to Arkansas, and I'm going to run for sheriff. I mean. Because I'm going to tell you something. And when this all went down, I was young, dumb, and full of whatever that rhymes with dumb. (laughs) And I could have been a hell of a deputy. Yeah, man, I'm telling you. All right, so. We get to basically a time frame between 93 and August of 97. Baker, Sheriff Baker and three of his deputies withdrew $25,000 from the drug eradication fund for, quote, undocumented expenses. (laughs) The Madison County clerk, Mr. Wes Fowler, said as far as he knew, such money went only for the payment of confidential informants. Drug dealers who acknowledged being paid by either Sheriff Baker's office or the federal DEA for help with drug busts say they never received anything higher than a $100 bill. So let me get this straight. You got Sheriff Baker, three of his cronies, withdrawing 25 thousand dollars and anytime one of his CIs drops a dime he he hands them a hundred dollar bill and that's it they don't get anything else for subsequent information Mm -hmm. and this is where you have to tip your hat to Sheriff Baker because internal records showed that they only paid the sheriff's only sheriff's office only paid eight hundred thirty five dollars to drug informants between 93 and 97. So you only had eight drug people that you talked to? And you had some crackhead for 35 bucks? Did you buy him a fucking Diablo sandwich? <laughs> I mean... This guy is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I like him. I like this guy. I mean, I'm not a big fan of crime and committing crimes, but when you got some style and you pretty smooth... You got to at least tip your hat to this man. This guy is pretty good. Yeah. The state of Arkansas last audited 
Madison County's drug fund or drug eradication fund in 1996. And an itemization of the paperwork showed that only $4,500 was paid to CIs. Even though Baker says he only doled out $835. I'm going to tell you something, boys and girls. If y'all are paying attention and do a little bit of math, you got $25,000. You got Baker saying that he doled out $850. Let's just say $900. So now you're at $24,100. The state audits it and says that they paid out $4,500. So if we go off of that figure with what he's paid out at twenty four one hundred and forty five hundred, there's twenty thousand dollars missing. And in Arkansas, in the nineties, and I only know this because I was addicted to the duck hunting, an acre of land, the average price of land in the state of Arkansas was eight hundred dollars an acre. Do you know how many acres you could buy for twenty grand? Um, 10, 20, 25. So just think, I mean, he, we're on record of $460,000 that he has spent on land Good deals. Lord, man, that is a... It's crazy. Yeah, that's just a ton. This is unnecessary. That's too much land. 1,400 acres. That, that's just too much. It's crazy. How you gonna mow all that? I don't think you can. <laughs> I don't think you can pick the limbs up that much. All right, so now we get into, and in my research, Miss, and this is a lot of background information, and I think we just have to do this before we get to Coach's information about how Billy, the Billy's actual side of it. I think you need to know the, the underlying current of this county before we get to what's going on in her case because it's going to make her what goes on in her case even more prevalent. Mm-hmm. So we go, we backtrack a little back, little bit, and we get to Miss Sandra Harp, and this is Sheriff Baker's daughter's friend, and she is on record with the Gazette stating that Sheriff Baker's daughter and her could move freely through the sheriff's office and the jail at any time of the day or night. She said that hmm. the sheriff asked her not to talk about drugs. After the incident where they wrecked his truck, they would even go as far as to sue a person that they stated run them off the road. Miss Hart would go on record as stating that not only was there marijuana in the glove box, there was also cocaine and pills. In bags marked, property of Madison County. And I go back to our reference a couple of episodes ago to justify it. He jumped out of an airplane with enough <laughs> cash and coke to jumpstart a third world country. That's crazy, man. It, just, it really does boggle your mind just how much small town politics, politics how much crazy. they can get away with. Because there's no one checking it. No. It, if if you're the one in charge and you're corrupt, there's not a whole lot that people there's not a whole lot of people that can do, not, not not a whole lot of people can do about it. No, and I saw something the other day about how much small town sheriffs really are the king of the county. I mean, they everything comes through them. And I can think of a couple of counties around us or around my house where there's some some 
shady shit that has went down in the past and probably still going on that I'm like, hmm, yeah, must be great to be sheriff. <laughs> I mean, Miss Harp would, you know, have this little incident where her and the sheriff's daughter were friends and they're smoking dope and they see all this shit in the truck. Well, this is while they're in high school. Well, it gets even crazier after she gets out of high school. She would be a convicted thief and drug dealer at the age of 34. She refused to set up her former son-in-law when Baker asked her to wear a wire during a drug deal. This would result in a a custody fight over Baker's granddaughter. And Harp said that she did not want to be in the middle of this custody battle. And here's another what the fuck moment. Harp is on record telling the Gazette that she stole eighty thousand dollars. You just gonna admit that to the newspaper? From a community member in this little town of Hilltop. You just gonna you just gonna hey yeah, I did that. Yeah. Well, I mean, what the fuck? I, I there's so many what the fucks. Like and like you said, we're getting so, you know, used to this that we just don't tally all of them but i'm like it's, every time i read a sentence i'm like this what what the where the fuck is this happening at she is eventually sentenced to seven years in prison for for pleading guilty to burglary theft of property and possession of drug paraphernalia she says that the paraphernalia charge was just ah, they found my crack pipe the evidence was discovered when deputies picked her up for a burglary charge when she was dealing drugs. They didn't bust her ass for dealing drugs. They bust her for burglary. I swear to God, it's like days of our lives. When you think this can't get any more fucked up, it does. And we are so far away from the actual case. Yeah. I mean, this I mean, this is a this is a ta- a large and tangled web. It's crazy. Now the the funny thing is, you know, Marijuana was the big deal back in the 70s and early 80s. By the time Billie Jean is killed, meth, or as it was referred back then, was crank. That was the big thing going down. Now, we'll get into the Billie Jean side of it now, and then we'll come back and we'll do a little bit of history on Sheriff Baker and... His Booger County dealings. And then we'll get into our our theories. Well, I mean, I'm going to touch on the fact that Billie Jean was extremely promiscuous. And she flaunted it big time. So even though we've talked about the corruption of Sheriff Baker and the fact that he may be covering for his prosecuting uh, assistant prosecuting attorney, Mr. Kane, this woman's going to make a lot of enemies, man. Like, she's going to have a ton of enemies. Uh, her promiscuity began at the age of 15, where it said in the article that she took her first lover, but I disagree with that. If you're 15, you're not taking a lover. That lover's taking you. Yeah. And that lover happened to be a state trooper. Yeah, I read that. Who's having an affair with a 15-year-old. And, like, he, it was so good that he kept coming back for many a year. Years. Many a ruin. Yeah. Uh, in fact, her father's going to catch them 
getting out of his she's getting out of his patrol car father's going to run out there and he's going to punch that cop right in the face and then but so 15 that affair is going to continue until billy jean is 23 so for eight years the state trooper is going to pursue her well she's going to marry a uh, randall wayne sharp at 19 so if you're keeping up she's having an affair with the state trooper until she's 23 but she's going to get married at 19 to a rusty wayne sharp and they're not going to have the greatest relationship they're going to fight a whole lot uh she's going to be cheating on him a whole lot one incident he's going to actually lock her in a closet and he's just going to go gambling with his friends which is you know but i can't help it man probably because he, i have to the, and, and look i'm not making light of this situation at it all it is sad that she was murdered it is. It is. It's sad that she's murdered. It's sad that anyone would lock another human being in a fucking closet. But y'all, you if you got high on meth and crack at the same time, you couldn't make this shit up. No. Well, Mr. Sharp, after their divorce, very soon after their divorce, he's actually going to shoot himself dead in a motel room while she watched. So, Madison County uh, Sheriff Ralph Baker... Uh, who says he counted Billie Jean as a close friend, but was not one of his, her conquests, knew that she could provoke confrontations, especially with one of, with her lovers. He said her goading probably prompted Randy Sharp to fire, fire a bullet through his brain at the Jan Rand Motel in Huntsville on December 10, 1979. However, Sharp's family still believes that he had been murdered. Either way, it remains one of Huntsville's great mysteries. The reason why they think he was murdered is he shot himself with the wrong hand. And so what happened was he he came to uh he came he's he's actually from Alaska. Once they separated, he moved back to Alaska. He comes back for a visit. He checks into the hotel room and Billy Jean is actually going to show up with her brother Robert McKnight. Sharp's going to throw the door open and seemed annoyed that they were there. But at some point, everyone went outside except Billie Jean was alone with Sharp. And at some point while they were alone, he's going to shoot himself in the right temple with a Colt 45 pistol. Though he shot himself in the, in the right temple, his mom's going to say that he was left-handed and could not have possibly shot himself with his right hand. So just for a reference but, point, in 1990, there was only 11,000 people in that county. Yeah. And it's a big-ass county. And the reason I say that, I know you're looking at me like, what the fuck does that have anything to do with him shooting himself with the wrong hand? I did. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> the reason I say that is, kind of like Ron White said, we've seen each other. Yeah. Everybody knows everybody. Um, Sorry. Go ahead. Still don't know what the point of that was, but okay. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, was that Ozark Brewing Company? She's, <laughs> yeah. It's getting to us. Um. Though she does say, his Melba Sharp, his mother, says that he couldn't have possibly shot himself with his right hand. But come on. Right-handed, left-handed, I can pull a trigger with either hand. But if I'm going, if I'm seriously considering shooting myself, I'm not picking up with the offhand. I'll say that. Unless I want to screw somebody in the other room. Well, she also says that he had a gold coin and chain that she had given him. And that she had herself had added a safety clasp to this gold chain a few weeks before his death. 
but when the funeral director returned it to her, the chain was stretched and the clasp had broken away. So I guess she's contending that somebody um, pulled it off or broke it before he shot himself. But in one of the strangest comments I've ever heard in my life, Baker said, the sheriff, Baker, says he's convinced Sharp's death was a suicide. But it was a feigned suicide that he accidentally succeeded with. Because the clip, or the mag, he states the clip, but it's actually a magazine as we... And if you're a sheriff and you don't know the difference yeah. between the two, you need to be fired. Yeah. My, my ignorant ass knows it's a magazine. Yeah. I mean. But he's going to say... The magazine is going to be found out of the gun. And he states, though the clip was out of the gun, there's always a bullet or two still in the gun. No, you dumb fuck. A bullet or two. I can see a bullet. No, not see. Yeah, it's 1,000% possible a, a bullet, bullet could be in the gun. But not two but of But not them. two. No. That's, that's not the, how shit works. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And that's a what the fuck moment right there. My In my Prius. Outside. In the party Prius. In the glove box. Party Prius. Is the same exact type of gun that he killed himself with. A 1911 45 pistol. And there's one in the chamber. But I promise you, I take that magazine out, there's still going to be one Uno. in the chamber. It, you know, gravity ain't stopped working and it's just going to float one in there. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Sheriff Baker, up until this point, we wanted to have a beer with you. And now you said that, I want to slap the shit out of you. Yeah, that, that's true. But what I'm saying is, the family of her first husband believes that she, that he was murdered. So that's going to make a whole hell of a lot of enemies. She's also going to begin the affair with Rusty Kane, the assistant prosecuting attorney, very soon after his suicide. Yeah, and, and they, if I'm not mistaken, they begin that affair after she... Is in a wreck, right? I'm not exactly sure. I believe so. But it's going to be after the suicide. But that's not going to stop her promis- her promiscuity. She's going to be doing anything that moves. No, no offense to her. If her family hears this, I'm sorry, but these are the facts. She is, in fact, going to be... She's going to try to date who ends up being her... Um, she's going to get married again to a Roger Dale Harp who's going to be her second husband she's going to while she's having the affair with Rusty Kane while she's still having an affair with a state trooper she's going to get married again and that 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 one's not going to last very long at all she's going to start dating her third soon to be third husband Jim Chick Phillips and while dating him he's going to give her a phone call and He's going to call her to ask if he can come over for, you know, sexual relations. She's going to answer the phone while engaged in sex with another man. And tell him sorry. That and says, sorry, sailed. buddy. <laughs> You're too late. And the man that she was with while she's on the phone. Quotes says, that racehorse was a little too fast for this country boy. End quote. So she's going to do that to Mr. Phillips, and he's still going to marry her. What the fuck (laughs) does she have between her legs that keeps all these men at her beck and call? 
In the words of Red Fox in the great movie, Harlem Nights, it must be sunshine, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. It must be made of sunshine, for sure. So, that to me shows that maybe Phillips has a little animosity that sticks with him throughout. Yeah. Uh, to me, it would. But Mr. Kane and her are going to be having this affair. And like I said, like I said er, way earlier in the podcast, that she's going to actually call up the lovers and the wives of the people she's having sex with and brag about it just to piss them off. Mr. Kane, who is the assistant uh, prosecuting attorney, was so ingrained in Billie Jean's life that her family says that his clothes, including shoots, uh, shoots, suits, shirts, and pants, occupied the left side of Billie Jean's walk-in closet. His mustache trimmer had a permanent place in her bathroom. Oh, wait, wait. Say that again. Her, his mustache trimmer had a permanent place in her bathroom. Coach, I can't. I don't know why I find that as funny as I do. I know. But if you... If you're leaving, it's one thing to leave your toothbrush at another person's house, your significant other's. Yeah. If you leave your mustache, mustache trimmer, trimmer, it must be real. Yeah. Well, she's going to be start. She's going to begin to push for uh, Mr. Kane to leave his wife a Sharon Kane, and leave her for, leave Sharon for her. About a year or so before she dies. Billie Jean's going to receive a Christmas card that is inscribed, quote, Go fuck someone else's husband. Signed, S.C. Not a lot of subtlety in that. No, not, not, not a whole lot. But a few months before she died, Billie Jean is actually going to provoke a confrontation with Miss Kane. Uh, she's actually going to show up to Billy's, uh, to uh, Rusty's home, very intoxicated, and try to pick a fight with Sharon. So... That's going to cause you to have a lot of enemies. So, when you say... Not only are you banging the assistant prosecuting attorney, you then flown it to his wife. Yeah, I mean, you, you're not you're not hiding anything. You're not shy about it. You're blatantly telling these people what's going on. Hey, guess what? That's a good way to... Die. That's a good way. I would say a good way to get your ass whooped, but we know that people take it a little bit too far in this case. Well, here's what I don't understand. And I guess it's because it's not happened to me, and I may feel different if it ever happened to me, but if my my wife says, or no, 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 if I catch my wife having an affair, more power to you, buddy. I'm not going to get a gun. It, it, am I going to be distraught? you damn right I'm going to be distraught. Look, if you want to take that on, that responsibility on, you go right ahead. Because I've done it, and I, and I love my wife, and, I, and she's a wonderful person. Thank God she don't listen. I know. But at the same time, if, if I'm not doing something that she needs and she finds someone else to, by all means, you two go on and have a wonderful life together. I'm not going to kill you. Yeah, I'm not going to get upset. There, there, I might get upset, but there's nothing worth risking jail. No. I don't think there's anything I could think of that's worth risking prison. No. I ain't going to jail. No. I can't even think of my top five right now. If my wife gave me a hall pass, my top five that jail, I could go to jail and go, yep, I, I checked off all five of them. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> well, also, we you know, you have to talk about her brother, her brother Robert. He is actually going to be, you know, troubled with drugs. He's going to get in a lot of debts with a lot of people. And it's rumored that perhaps they're going to kill Billie Jean as a result of his debts. Or it's also going to be hypothesized that he himself killed killed Billie Billie Jean Jean. because she refused to give him money. But the family is going to refute that. The family is going to state that anytime he needed money, she gave it to him. She'd tell him no, tell him no, and then after about an hour or so, she'd give in and give it to him. So, maybe she got into a situation where she couldn't give him any money. I mean, Or she was between paychecks. Mr. Or... Hawthorne does beat the living hell out of Robert. Mm-hmm. So, maybe he did owe a debt. But the point is, is this woman is is not short of enemies. No. Many people are going to be... Definitely okay with uh, seeing her die. All right. So we get into a little bit of backstory with Sheriff Baker. And what's funny is Sheriff Baker was actually an outlaw before he was a sheriff. I know. It, it just keeps getting better. He had been charged with two felonies in the neighboring county of Washington. And a deputy circuit clerk found a docket sheet detailing a case of the state of Arkansas versus Mr. Ralph Baker and his friend Eugene Masterson. Baker pled no contest to burglary and grand larceny on April 2, 1958 and drew two years in the Arkansas State Penitentiary. The judge would defer sentence pending good behavior and Baker never spent more than two days in prison. Oh. Yeah. His buddy escaped from jail and was later arrested in Oklahoma and served his full term. Now supposedly this goes back to these two dumbasses breaking into an auto body shop or an auto shop in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Supposedly, he was driving a lumber truck and working as a bouncer at the Red Fox Lounge in Springdale, Arkansas, when the former sheriff of Madison, or slash Bugger County, Fred Crumley, made him a deputy in 71. When Crumley retired, Baker would run for sheriff and win. And then we get into, and you'll have to just You'll need to research this on your own because we could just chase this rabbit for days. Basically, this is an election that is contested to this day with voter fraud. The Arkansas Supreme Court has listened to this case twice before. There are anywhere from 80 to 180 absentee ballots that were rejected. There were drunks that were picked up and brought to the courthouse to vote. It is fucked up to say the least. And the margin of victory for Sheriff Baker was less than 150. (laughs) Yeah. 
Now, Sheriff Baker has also been sued twice before, him and the former Huntsville City Police Chief Ed Sharp were sued back in 1987. And this is a fucked up case where these two geniuses, and I apologize like we did on our first episode, they referenced this as a special needs child. And, and back then, special needs was not in the vernacular. It was retarded. And so, I know. Bruh, come on, man. (laughs) But I'm going to go on. and When you look this up, it's going to say retarded, but it is a special needs case. (laughs) This kid was 11 years old, had a a severe problem, and a speech impediment. They beat the dog shit out of this kid. He'll stomp him. And basically, by the time it's all said and done... These two geniuses have to pay the family $125,000. But somehow the state of Arkansas doesn't see that as a problem and allows Sheriff Baker to continue his tenure as, as sheriff. And again, if you want to, we'll, I will post, we will post the link to this article that documents all of this. Touching on the drug scene in the county, at the height of the meth epidemic, you could get meth in a booger county for anywhere from $1,600 to $2,000 an ounce. Drug dealers were making anywhere from six dollars to $10,000 a week. I'm in the wrong business. I am too, bro. Oh, wait. No, you can go to jail. Never yeah. mind. I think I'll keep teaching. Yeah. <laughs> now, they would say that uh, Sheriff Baker would turn the other cheek with certain drug dealers. The sex trade was also involved. It was just another form of currency when they were dealing with drugs and how to pay with, for the drugs. Uh, one drug, drug dealer would go on on record say, stating that Sheriff Baker don't care if you use drugs. If you want to mess up your mind, that's your fault. But when you start breaking down doors and fucking up my county, then I mind. End quote. With that said, I know we have thrown a lot of names and a lot of information at you. And I do not want Billie Jean's case to get lost in all of this backstory. You know, despite her promiscuity, her fervor for life. (laughs) That's a great way to put it. um, She's still, at the end of the day, a human being that had a son. Yeah. And unfortunately, the son is the one that finds his mother bludgeoned to death. So I now mean, we get into well, our I theories. Mean, honestly, I mean, you know, I I don't mind anything about a promiscuous woman. She can do whatever she wants. It's 2019, but when you're mar- when messing around with married men and plus you are bragging about it to their wives, you're asking for trouble. Now, if you want to get on Tinder... And get with as many single men as you want. You ladies go for it. I'm all about that equality. But when you gonna brag to to a man's wife what you're doing with her husband, you're asking to get your skull cracked. I mean, bottom line, you know, minimum you're asking to get your ass beat. Well, I mean that. To me, there's one conclusion for me. I think Sharon Kane 
did this. And I no, th- hell hath a fury like a woman's. Cold. Yeah, when if you see the crime scene photos or you read about it, that's somebody really, really pissed off. And and, and, and I would I, I she's I, she's provoking this woman. And the amount she's of con- rage she's confronting this woman. The use of a bat. I, mean, I would say you're right on target. Yeah, Billy Jean's is abusing this woman she's confronting this woman she's she's asking for it i'm sorry and i think that rusty was on scene before the police because sharon told him what happened home covered yeah and he went there to try to cover up evidence of her being there sheriff baker washed the hands Pilot? Is he pilot? I'm sorry. Not wash his hands, hands, but he 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 scratched the back of his assistant prosecuting attorney. He's going to take care of his boy. Until his boy steps over the line where he can't take care of him. Well, like I said, you can't change change the fact that the man was at the crime scene. Like a dumbass. And you can't change the fact that people may be asking questions about that. So, you're going to have to fire him for tampering with the crime scene. But, I would ra- I'd much rather be fired by go you. To fucking you, jail. You cover up my my wife's murder that she committed, and in return I get fired. I think that's a fair trade. Yeah. If I'm not going to prison, I'm all right. Yeah, exactly. I will accept a firing. I honestly think that's what happened. But you can't prove it. No, and and I've listened to a lot of cases where people, the family members, are upset because they feel like. There's no traction in the case, and when you get down to it, police know exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. They just can't prove well, it. I just want to state that if Miss Kane happens to listen to this and you are innocent, I do apologize. But to me, you're guilty as you're shit. You're guilty as shit. And so maybe this was a, you know, we're not supposed to answer questions, but we're answering them. I know it's a <laughs> But again, we can't prove it. But I truly, I think that that's the only. I mean, if you if her brother owed somebody a whole bunch of money, and they decided to make an example, I still just don't see them beating them beating her that bad. No, possible. I mean, it's 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 very possible, but highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. Very probable. <laughs> I don't mean to keep going back to that, but yeah, I mean, Miss Kane did it. Yeah, I was gonna say there's three prominent theories one which has been disproven in a court of law one was yeah jim phillips is actually going to be charged yes and almost convicted but he he's going to be acquitted and so that theory is squashed that was the that was one of the leading theories miss kane is one of the theories the brother is the other theory there's dna evidence found under her fingernails However, that goes towards her ex-husband or third husband, current husband, however you want to look at it, estranged husband. But again, it's not something that they could 100% prove it was his DNA. I'm with you. I think out of those three theories, Miss Kane has the biggest axe to grind, the most to gain from it. Now, with that said, however, Mr. Kane can't keep his damn nose clean, and his dumbass 
gets arrested on September 18th of 2014 in Huntsville City on a DWI case. Nice. Yeah, he's a genius. At 1.30 in the morning, he had a little too much to drink, and he's 70. So that makes him 75 as of this broadcast. Don't know if he's still alive or not. But basically, he was cited for DWI, and then they release him on his own accord at 6.30 the next morning. He was scheduled to see the judge on October the 28th, 2014. But as of this broadcast, that's the last article on that. So we get back into small town politics again. Even though he is a former assistant prosecutor, there's nothing else out there about him getting arrested for DUI at the ripe old age of 70. So, coaches said that he believes his Mr. Kane's wife is the culprit. I would second that with the use of the bat. They're more likely, a male assailant would be more likely to use their fists and their hands. And I know that the coroner stated that she was killed by blunt force trauma and strangulation. Uh, I've not seen a picture of Mr. Kane's wife, but I would say that, I would dare say, unless she is a man-child, she's not physically with her hands strangling this young lady to death. Well, that's true. That's a good point. Unfortunately, there have not been many leads. And like Coach alluded to, this is a case outside of Huntsville, Madison County, the state of Arkansas, that is is basically unknown. You know, really, we could have spent another two or three hours going through the ins and outs of just the county, the backstory, her life leading up to the murder. It's just a sad, sad situation at the end of the day that she lost her life. Was she on a path that that probably accelerated that? Yeah. I mean, if you're you're going to keep a briefcase of, of potential blackmail running on that razor edge, you know, of either either way of getting in trouble. And then the meth scene, the drug scene, the the small-town politics, her being boisterous, uh, it's just a recipe for disaster. So I am in the corner of Miss Kane. If you somehow listen to this, unfortunately, two rednecks in the basement <laughs> of Georgia and have co- decided that... <laughs> And this court of public opinion. Yeah, your ass is guilty. Whew, you're pretty guilty. But but again, our opinions don't matter. And just like my mama said, everybody's got opinions just like everybody's got an asshole. Everybody's got one. Everybody else stinks. <laughs> again, we didn't answer a whole lot, but... We did a little bit better. This is the best one we've had. Yeah, but I do feel like there was despite the fact that there was only a couple of articles to reference there's a whole lot of information out there i think that this case needs to be kept in the public eye i think that again we tip our hat to our listener that suggested this case if you have a case and 
your area, like I stated, he was he lives in Texas, but he knew of this case. If you have a case, if you are in law enforcement, if you are a family member, please reach out to us at any of our social media accounts. Let us know. You know, we will dive headfirst into it and do our due diligence to research it and give our opinion on it. Well, um, just to update on the Twitter before we sign off and give our recommendations, we are at 94 followers on Twitter. So as soon as we get to 100, I will give the 100th follower a shout out. A super duper shout out. <laughs> we are at 75 on the Instagram. Not too bad. We are at 40 on uh, Facebook. And. Drum roll, please. We've made a whole dollar this month on Radio Public. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. That's 100 people listening. That's 100 people just on that app. That ain't bad. I mean, several of them were us, but. <laughs> we actually made a dollar six, so I'm thinking 95 of that was true people listening. <laughs> That's awesome. It is. Uh, shout out to Kylie for procuring the Ozark Brewing Company's Beer of the Week. Spoke with Kylie. She's not seen Meth Mouth Judy in a while. We think Meth Mouth Judy may be under the weather. Or she may have got locked up, bro. She may have, you know. Well, she'll be out. She will, I mean. she She's dating the assistant prosecutor. So yeah, she is. She'll get out real quick. She is. Uh, uh, Kylie did say that uh, the lady from Dick's Donuts has not showed back up with free samples again. I was kind of scared when I walked in there the next time. Uh, recommendations this week. I kind of alluded to it in the opening I don't have a lot of these cases that we go through weekly just test my endurance for society. And so I try to find some things that are a little bit positive. And driving to work the other day, I had a situation at work that was just fucked up. And I kind of dwelled on it a little too much. And I tried to remind myself about halfway into my commute hey stupid you have a family that loves you you have a job that you can go to you keep the lights on let's just be thankful for that i think that when we have some bad times at work or with our family or with our children we lose sight of the fact that we are blessed with some things we take for granted so my recommendations is to sit down when you feel like you're being overwhelmed or that things are not going your way and list the things that you really are thankful for because it will put some things in perspective for you. With that, I well, turned over to that you, was, buddy. That was super nice, but... I know you're just going to shit on that parade, but... No, ahead. I'm not. I mean, I kind of feel <laughs> dumb. I'm like, well, I recommend a YouTube page. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're getting all fucking philosophical and deep, and I'm just like, well, and then well, uh, aliens. I saw this I YouTube s- page that there's I, aliens, anal probing Cartman again. I saw like a fifth time. I saw a funny video. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to share. Oh, YouTube. I'm going to share with the people. <laughs> Reminds me of a, a a thing I saw on Facebook. It's, it was like a. I asked my friend. I said, "Hey, man, what's your what's your biggest fear?" And he was like being forgotten it's like oh wow man that's deep mine's the kool-aid man but i feel kind of fucking stupid about it now (laughs) 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 but uh yeah i'm gonna recommend youtube because uh you didn't prep me on we were gonna get philosophical 
I could have come up with some Vince Lombardi speech or some shit, but... You want to grab a root? I'm just going to uh, go ahead and recommend the most amazing top ten page on YouTube. They put out about four videos a day. I love that page. That is a great page. That is. I love that page. And it's all creepy and weird. I mean, we're getting like three thumbs up. Even Mini-Me is saying Yeah, they're, they're a good page, but the reason why they're such a good page is I use them as a kickoff point. Because they, they cover so many things so fast in their videos, they don't give a whole lot of information. But if you, they'll cover something you've never heard of before. You're like, hmm, let me look that up real quick. And bingo, bingo, you're down a rabbit hole. Yes. I mean, but yeah, they, they cover, I mean, they've got the most amazing top 10. They got, they've, they've branched out to, uh, they have countdowns on movies, countdowns on music. I mean, they they got like 20 channels now, but and they're putting out content like nobody's business. But check them out. If you've never heard of this page before, good luck. You're going to have about a million and a half videos to go through, but they're all pretty good. So Do not research this page on YouTube because you won't find shit. Oh, you will. You'll find plenty of terrible, terrible covers of Michael Jackson's Billie Jean. Or Billie Jean King's. Uh, tennis match. Yeah, I mean, it's there's not a single YouTube video about this case, not one. There's not a podcast about this case. And digging into this article, I'm like, I could probably see why people probably researched it for a while and was like, "Fuck this." This needs a diagram on a diagram. Yeah. If there are any updates, we will try to do a uh, mini episode, a micro brew on it. Just with technology coming forth, I know that, that they've not come forth in this case with any DNA evidence, but if you've not heard of how the Golden State Killer was caught, Parabon Nanolabs, you know, basically reverse engineered a family tree that caught that bastard. Mm-hmm. They have caught... That's an amazing story how they did that. Yeah, that's they pretty, caught that's the pretty April Tinsley murderer. Mm-hmm. They caught a, the something Mirac in Pennsylvania murder. Hmm. Um, I think that we are on the cusp of a lot of these unsolved mystery slash murders being solved using this technology. Uh, again, if, if you have any cases that you would like for us to, to chase down and look at, let us know. With that said, we get to the most important part of the podcast, and that is the Functor Scale. We come in with a steady eight. And again, Coach alluded to it last week. I think we're just getting, you know, we're getting too tied up. Yeah, we're getting too immune to the weirdness. Yeah. I I mean, mean, we just look at stupid shit and we're like, oh, okay. I mean, honestly, I think that's really what's going on is we're just, we're, we're, we're getting numb to it, so. Yeah, so if you're keeping track at home or, or you want to keep track of your own what the fuck, post your what the fuck total on any of our social media pages <laughs> and we will give you a shout out. Uh, speaking of which, we do have a five star review shout out. And this comes from. We had from, two, didn't we? Yes, we did have two. We have two. The first one comes from D Kim Z145. Five-star review says, found these guys PodCoin, parentheses. Probably meant to say on PodCoin. R.I.P. I don't mean to and correct they, our, our fans. And they seem to be getting better every week. Gary Subrick was so creepy. 
Keep up the good work, guys. Okay, I love that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of which, I mean, you know, it's like fall, pumpkin spice weather. Oh, I know. I'd rather please be God no. Dick. And then our second five star is from Caesar five nine three, and he or she states, "I'm not a true crime mystery drunk junkie, but Arlo and the coach are highly entertaining and present these cases well. Highly recommended." We did have a couple of shout-outs on Instagram. One of them was the Rigor Mortis podcast, and they quoted, and or not quoted, they stated, and I quote, keep up the good work, guys. Uh, so we're going to give a shout-out back to the Rigor Mortis podcast. We also have the Bring on the Weird and True Crime Wear stating, keep up the good work. So again, thank you for following us on social media. I know we have not stated it in a couple of episodes, but uh, Bearded Iris, if you are listening, <laughs> please contact us. <laughs> Coach, you got anything else? No. I'm yeah. good, man. From the basement. Uh, deuces.